All right, today I am chatting with Scott, who after graduating from an international program out of Australia, he started to navigate the business world and then landed the ideal position as the head of sales for TrueFan, a Canadian tech startup. After joining as a member of the founding team and helping build the business from the ground up, he discovered the need for consistent physical and mental fitness, which he now has made routine on a daily basis. And we dive into all of those details. So enjoy the conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Minimalism Life. A simple life is one with less stress, less stuff, and more purpose. We love these guys because they publish awesome content on a weekly basis about minimalism as a tool to help you be more focused and feel more fulfilled. Check them out at minimalism.life. And don't forget, all of these awesome guests end up in our journaling app and mental fitness tool, Keo, to help guide you through your daily reflection. Take it for a spin in the Apple App Store and let us know what you think. Have the absolute best day yet. All right, man. So, Scott, first question for you, same question for every guest on this show, and it's this simple question of who are you or what defines you? What defines me? I would have to say that, you know, more recently, I think over the last year and a half um, to two years, I've really kind of come to a place where I've realized in part with podcasts, you know, a little bit of reading, I can't claim to be a reader. um, And just like some of the perspectives that I've taken in from all the people I've met. But this classic train of thought, which is, you know, hard work, leading to success, leading to happiness has actually kind of reversed on me. And I think like for me, I think what I want to be defined by is fulfillment. And and that kind of comes from happiness. So kind of reversing that train of thought and thinking about how if you can maintain that happy mentality and positive mentality. So things like gratitude, you know, ultimately working out your mind, being cognizant of how the mental affects your workflow and everything else in between. But yeah, being happy and then yeah. leading to hard work or success, which then in turn leads to hard work. So I think it's my happiness that ultimately defines me. And I'd like to kind of have that claim by the time my days are done so that, you know, I can feel like if I look back, I've lived a life of fulfillment. Yeah. Did you do speaker training for this podcast? <laughs> Just kidding. That's awesome. That was amazing. I've never heard that reply or said in that way before. It's... Um, I love it. I mean, like what, what made you flip the the equation or where's that coming from? I guess is the question. This is probably to a fault, like, and maybe comes from not reading as much, but when I do listen to podcasts and even just growing up, like watching movies and all of those kinds of different forms of entertainment, I'm terrible with names and like retaining like actors names or actresses, actresses that you look up to, like the people that if it's not like somebody extremely symbolic or maybe somebody within the sports realm. I just typically like don't remember where I consume this information from because I'm always trying to learn from like every snippet of conversation that I have with people like yourself, Mark, and you know, anyone that I'm kind of meeting because I do feel like you can kind of learn something from everyone, right? Sure. Or at least take away from their mindset, whether that be positive or negative and just kind of filter that into your own perspective. But, um, yeah, I really think it was a podcast where I kind of heard that notion and somebody really flipped it on its head and it just kind of led me to thinking about you know over the last couple of years and even prior to that like I was very much obsessed with this idea of like pushing else to everything to the side and then focusing more so on like work 
and really like grinding or whatever that may be like just like working very very hard and harder than the person who you know maybe wanted to take my spot or yeah, yeah. is kind of applying Hustle for the society. jobs that i yeah would receive yeah. ultimately just thinking about like how hard work is going to lead to my success and then you know as a result of feeling successful i'll be happy and it, it just became more and more apparent that after i kind of heard that said that i'd had that kind of wrong train of thought and that i really needed to kind of pivot that towards these different things that you can implement in your own life to ensure that, you know, happiness, yeah. regardless of how work's going, because you're always going to be throwing those curveballs and, you know, working in the startup space as we both do, there's a tremendous amount of like ongoing things you're going to have to deal with that may sure. not always lead you to like smiling <laughs> yeah, or like absolute happiness, but, um, just, you know, making sure that all of the other things that you can be, you know, doing in life and achieving in life, uh, that you feel happy about those things. And, you know, certainly like I feel happy about the work that I'm doing right now. So that's a big help. I don't feel as though I'm being drained every day and I don't have days where I wake up thinking like, uh, you know, just another day. I don't yeah, want to get up yeah. and do this. Like just for context. Um, so I do work for a startup. It's a tech startup called true fan. Yeah. I think our two co-founders had previously been on the podcast on yeah. a kind of great episode at one point um, but yeah we've been working on a social intelligence platform that helps brands and influencers manage key followers sell to top fans and then find new audiences that they can target online and besides that just do a bit of marketing and social media strategy yeah, yeah. no thanks for sharing that and i'm gonna i'm gonna there's so many questions i have for you just on the business side but before we we jump in um like i'd, like, I'd love to know a little bit more about just the you uh you know pre-true fan Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and pre kind of the, the craziness of the move, all the moves you've made in the last couple months and all of that and just see like what what's been your backstory how did, how did you get to this this point because correct me if I'm wrong but I think it was you right that reached out to switch and basically said like I have to work with you guys yeah, so yeah. I'd love to I'd love to build up to that to that yeah I, I'll try and do this um while being mindful of time yeah, yeah. I'm not always the best like some people sound so well rehearsed and like organized when it comes to telling any story um, that led up to you know where they are at the time but I just feel like I just always draw things out and Swish made a comment earlier like make sure Scott doesn't ramble on so <laughs> leading up to that moment um, you know so I guess finishing off from high school went to high school in Orleans just a suburb of Ottawa yeah um, some people actually refer to that suburb as Borleans. So okay. that's definitely the kind of mindset that I have around it in some respects. But like to anyone who's listening and living in a suburb, it's not boring. There's certainly a lot of aspects of life that can be, yeah. you know, even more so enjoyed when you're in that kind of like less busy, chaotic city lifestyle yeah. and, and you are on your own. But yeah, I grew up in a safe spot, went to a great high school, made a lot of great friends um, who I still call friends to this day. And after high school decided you know everyone was kind of pushing me in the direction of university because it's the classic train of thought of hey like you've got to go to university in order to kind of be successful or at least as successful as you can be in your career yeah. especially if you're, you know i was thinking of a business as a potential career option for me and so taking a look at like that whole realm um as you're sorting through you know the books they give you when you're pre-applying and stuff you're just thinking to yourself like is this really what I want to do like there's yeah. all these areas and I've maybe touched like one marketing class up until now yeah, exactly. I found that interesting so yeah. I went I did the two-year marketing diploma at Algonquin College yeah that was kind of like a nice intro to school you know first year got to kind of slack off second year was like oh boy like I think I'm gonna be done school technically after this so <laughs> I should probably really make something of this um and you know we did a great project with Boys and Girls Club of Ottawa so that was fun okay. And when I graduated, 
had been serving at the Works Gourmet Burger Bistro. You probably yeah, yeah. know that they're now here in Toronto. I worked with them for like six and a half years, dating okay. back to you know early high school. Nice. Um, so that may end up being my longest standing job ever. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. But from that point, I just thought, you know, I'm making good money. I'm not really sure if I really want to jump to university yet. And if I do, like what it is, what the path is that I want to go down for that. Um, so continued serving. And during that time, just started looking at options looked at Canada and more specifically like even Ottawa, the two years would give me maybe a semester of credits towards Mm -hmm. the degree. So I was looking at that thinking like, I don't want to take another three and a half years of school. Like how can I get out of some of this? Cause I felt like I was coming out with some good knowledge and we had done a full marketing plan, you know, from like research to implementation. This is over a hundred pages. And I felt like knowing what I'd heard about university, they weren't even doing that. So I was like, I gotta take something from what I've done and really try and apply it. And looked around in the States um, and other places like Australia, and I noticed Australia happened to be one of those spots where they already shave a year off the typical bachelor's degree. Oh, okay. So I went there for what was a three-year bachelor's business degree with a focus in marketing, but they gave me a year and a half worth of those two years of credits. Okay. Um, So I had three semesters of university, essentially. Um, And then the cost kind of weighed out the same that way, even though it was international education. Uh, So we went and did that, finished up the university after a year and a half, also managed to get a minor in surfing, so that was nice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, living in a place called Gold Coast is just absolute haven like it was where billabong was invented it's just you know like five miles of stretching sand beaches and absolutely beautiful surf so we have we actually have a huge uh following out of australia oh really a lot of guests on the podcast a lot of yeah a lot of people in the app as well so um it's big fans i can see that i mean just like kind of yoga mindfulness um you know meditation i'm sure has kind of caught on as it's caught on almost everywhere but especially there like a lot of people really practice i feel like just the slower style of life um, maybe less so in Sydney, but whatever. Um, so yeah, anyways, kind of leading up to pre-true fan, um, got out of university, you know, decided to come home, wasn't going to try and stick around there at the time. My nanny was actually sick in the hospital. So that kind of contributed to that decision. Okay. Would have loved to stay out there, but it just didn't make sense for me. And I'm very family oriented. Yeah. Um, so went back, uh, decided I would try and do some interviews in San Francisco, went down after a month of being home in Ottawa, just banged out as many interviews as I could. Ended up with a couple of job offers um, that I took back up and I was going to be trying this like TN status. So I think it's referred to as like NAFTA, the free trade agreement. Yeah, yeah. That I tried that at one point too. You know, and I was just like, I, I looked at the offers or like commission based and I'm thinking like, Jesus, like my bank account is depleted, yeah. pre, you know, post Australia compared to when I went there. And I'm like, is this really the best decision yeah. for me? Like, you know, proud of myself for going and doing the interviews and kind of having the ambition to do that. You have the like small world mindset after living away on the other side of the world for a year and a half. Yeah. And, uh, and I decided against it. So, um, okay. kind of threw those offers to the trash and then it was really like three years, I'd say up until when I met Swish, um, and really like true fan became an opportunity. And that was like bouncing around jobs, like direct sales, um, leading to management, so like working on PLs and flipping some uh, car rental locations actually that were in okay. arrears for years into some profits. So that kind of gave me some good business acumen. 
um, went and did some B2B business development. Uh, so that was a new lens for me. And it was then when I realized like what an opportunity LinkedIn was, mm-hmm. um, especially for like young, ambitious marketers um, yeah. specifically just because it, you know, it is inevitably related to marketing from a social media side yeah. and, and just seeing like some of the way people were content, posting content that were really resonating and, and reaching a lot of people versus like how neat organization that I was working in, they were pushing you to use the platform, yeah, you know, yeah, for yeah. business purposes. And it was just like, you could clearly identify that the way they were teaching was not working and the way, you know, people like Swish were using the platform was resonating with thousands of people, tens of thousands. Yeah, totally. So I took that as a bit of an opportunity cost. And I think that's what led me to start creating some content on LinkedIn, um, which would eventually lead to me meeting Swish. Um, and then at the same time, the last job that I had before um, actually quitting this job several months after I got it to focus on TrueFan was an operations and marketing manager role for a privately owned kind of okay. parking lot startup, but well backed by tech. And I had been in the tech space then for a little bit. So okay. yeah, just a lot of various skills that I built up. And really at the time, I just had no idea what they were going to lead to. I didn't even know what like I was coming away with. I just yeah. give everything that I have to those jobs. And then I reach a point where I felt like I'm either going to get stagnant here or I'm just going to be miserable every yeah. single day coming into work. Yeah. So what was the difference then? Because like what I'm picking up is you've, you've, you've done definitely a few jobs and you're kind of testing the waters in, in these different places and you were seeking them out, but there seemed to be a difference on, it was like a hell yeah, like I want to be a part of what's being built. Um, like what, what was it that gave you that, that feeling? I think like through following Swish and, you know, like the interactions that we had leading up to when we actually decided to, in essence, become business partners mm-hmm. was I, I could see relatively eye to eye with him. And I knew like, you know, younger than me for sure, but a young guy who had a lot of like drive and ambition yeah. and passion and energy, you know, a lot of those things to kind of go with that entrepreneurial attitude. Yeah. And um, so in part that, like knowing that I think this is somebody who I could really jive with and we could do something special um, and knowing that he would probably bring in some other great people sure. for that project, which for sure he did. Yeah. And uh, this was all online at and, this point? And this was pretty much all online. So like the way we ended up meeting in person was LinkedIn locals had become kind of prevalent. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were starting to pop up and, you know, Swish was a big part of that, especially here in North America. And he was living in Toronto, I believe at the time, uh, or at least bouncing back and forth from New York. And I said, you know, let's let's have one in Ottawa. Ultimately, it's like five hours away from here driving. So you can come down, you can speak. I'll see if I can get a sponsor to cover the costs of, you know, the train or whatever else you need to get down here. Um, so I did that. And, you know, I think that gave him a little bit of a clue and at least the fact that I could make things happen yeah, yeah, <laughs> if, if, I, if yeah. I put out the idea, you know. Um, and so we met and he had kind of been telling me about these potential ideas that he had because at the time he was working with Dunk. Um, with Elliot and uh, and it was just like that seeing what sort of ideas he had in store and really particularly like the true fan idea which at the time was kind of deemed as super fan which was actually our first name yeah Yeah, but we'll get into that Um, I was just like this is fascinating and for me like I had the marketing background but I was long stuck in that kind of typical sales role or you know managerial positions and like as much as that built up some chops, like I also wanted to enjoy what I did. And I knew that like marketing would probably lead me to a level of fulfillment that I was looking for, at least in my day-to-day work and responsibilities. And I wasn't against sales. So like where I am now is kind of the head of sales. I do oversee some of our marketing and, you know, certainly have kind of been one of the core pieces as we sort of built up the sales side of the organization. 
Um, but yeah, just thinking about that opportunity to work on kind of like a social media based analytics platform yeah. and just be a part of building it from the ground up. I mean, like at the time we were also watching Silicon Valley, the TV show. I don't know if you've yeah, watched yeah. it, which is like hilarious. And that was kind of giving me a bit of like the push to say like, you know, this isn't as big a risk nowadays as it may may have been years past sure um so yeah it was just like you know getting that idea and then just telling him like after i really saw um what true fan or now is all about i was like dude yeah this is something i'd rather dedicate my life to and it was combined with the fact that at the time i was being pushed into the ground like i got hired as an operations marketing manager so it was like you know putting out some marketing to attract people to the various service offerings that that company that i was working for had um, and then combined with the fact that like on the operations side, implementing new business processes, refining certain ones they had, I was really the first manager in there and it quickly became me running their business and like doing all of their customer service, their escalations, like everything hiring, yeah. you know what I mean? And so I felt like maybe I had negotiated a decent position at one time and that quickly became the position that I wasn't aware of. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it made it for are. an easy switch. Yeah, here I am. I mean, I, I said I wouldn't try and ramble on, but I've probably just rambled yeah, no, on. It's, it's, all, it's all good. Um, how much do you think the the serving part of your career or your, like when you were yeah, six years, right? Um, I did that as well at Red Lobster. Uh, oh, people dude. make fun of me all the time. I call it fine dining seafood experience. How popular were those? Uh, <laughs> the cheese biscuits. Yeah, the cheese biscuits. Yeah, they're still legendary. Like, absolutely legendary. I remember doing a couple, like, direct sales rolls in Costco's, and, like, you'd... It was like one and two shopping carts rolling by. I had, like, two With massive the boxes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, the reason I bring it up, though, is that I'm curious, like, how much of those years influenced your current or helped influence, like, what you're doing now in the sense of sales, right? And just people management and connecting with, because with, I, I would describe you, like, you know, from the very beginning, like, you're super easy to, to, to connect with and speak with. Yeah, and like, you can feel the authenticity there, which I'm curious to see how much of that has, has come through those six years. Yeah, and that's a good question. It's not one that I actually get asked very often, but I think it has really everything to do with it. You know, those years, is even behind, like I, I did everything at the works. I mean, like I started as a cook. Yeah. I managed to like work my way into, you know, the hosting and the bartending because they really don't trust cooks as they want to work their way to the front of house, you know, so to yeah, speak. And they're like, oh, these guys, you know, like they're always in the back and stuff like that and not talking to people. So I proved that. And as I started to serve, I did that probably for about three years. And, you know, it builds up so much like personability and just being personable yeah. with people, like trying to treat other, I, you know, I referenced this before our talk, but like the golden rule and just trying to treat others like you want to be treated. I think yeah. like that goes a long way in everyday interactions. And yeah, when it comes to like managing people, I didn't, you know, eventually obtain some leadership roles and whether it was training people, um, opening up new restaurants as they started to franchise outside of Ottawa um, oh, wow. and, and just really doing as much as I possibly could there. I, I even once um, bartended for the initial owner. So the private owners like wedding or no Christmas party. Okay. Um, it's like, that was just like a private event at his house, but I just tried to get as much as I could out of that yeah. role. Cause all the different interactions that you have, it really leads up to like who you become. And, and yeah. the same can be said over the last like three to five years since I went into university internationally and, you know, came back and then hopped around each of those jobs. I didn't realize what kind of skills I was building up at the time, but yeah, taking a bit of time and like a reference earlier, becoming happy really with where I was and looking back, like, 
surfing had everything to do with learning how to talk to people and, and, and really treat them. Um, yeah. and even on the sales side of things, like some of the most basic of principles can be applied on a very major scale, even on the B2B side, you know, like simple upselling mm-hmm. or, or the way to sell and like yeah. providing somebody with something that they want, even though they may not come in realizing that that's kind of going to be at the forefront of their order. It's the same thing with like our product right now. Um, you know, that may not be what the marketing team is day in day out talking about as like a tool that they desperately need. Um, but it's kind of painting that picture for them about whether, you know, in the serving days they're going to enjoy that crisp beer with that burger or, you know what I mean? Or enjoy our platform as an asset amongst their digital and social strategy. Well, I think the other aspect too is like there's there's all the front facing stuff, but then you know being a server, you also know that like you're you can only do um, a great job if the back of that house is also performing, oh, right? So true. And it's like how do you? So you're almost selling on both sides. It's like you, you know you gotta keep them happy. Whatever's happening, like something may happen, but you you know you. It's like stakeholder relations. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's what I learned out of it. And I was like, man, this is so relevant everywhere, right? Speaking of which, uh, so I went back, I was in Ottawa a few weeks ago, and uh, one of my good buddies who I got a job at the works way back, he he actually traveled the world for a little while, um, and he still works at the works now back in Ottawa as a second job, but brought me over. We had lunch there one day. And uh, I heard that Skip the Dishes, I think they only use Skip the Dishes, so they're not into like Uber Eats at the works in particular. Okay. Um, but just the one delivery service, like it increases their daily sales by like $1,000 at a minimum most wow. days. So like a little food for thought, right? Like no owner is ever going to say no if some salesperson approaches them and goes, hey, like, what do you think about adding $365,000 a year in sales at a minimum yeah. <laughs> to your business? And they, yeah, well, actually, no thanks. I think our customer experience is gonna be slightly ruined as a result. Yeah. But, you know, he's kind of referred to that back of house relations, you know, as a server and speaking to the, you know, there's so much more to manage now. Like you're, you don't wanna get upset at the people back there because it's yeah. not their fault yeah. that the restaurant is accepting online orders that they're having to deal with, which is slowing up the order process for everyone sitting yeah, in there totally. in-house. There's nothing that really can be done. So you have to face that on the customer side where no doubt their experience is gonna be somewhat tainted, especially on like a Saturday night. But yeah. uh, just figured I'd bring that up because yeah, no, yeah, you're so point. right. I mean, yeah. I think it's just managing like, just being aware and managing different perceptions across just call it the organization, right? Yeah. For you to be able to do your best work and ultimately please whoever the customer is. So you need to understand you know what the hell's going on across the whole ecosystem, right? Communication too. Yeah. Um like it's so relevant everywhere you look. And I think like one thing that I refer to, especially a lot, you know, in the office, um, or sometimes when I'm having a chat with Swish or whoever it may be, is just like tempering expectations is a big part of everything. Uh, and like, you can do that in the serving world still, you can kind of do that just on a general friendship or whether it's business, you know, like you really just need to use communication as a way to temper those expectations. Totally. Totally. All right, we're gonna shift gears out of the restaurant world. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's talk about the mind a little bit, or yeah, whatever you want to talk about. I, I, no, I would love to talk about. I mean, let, let's. You're in startup environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned a little bit about the Silicon Valley show, which provides some perspective. But then there's a whole other perspective that I think we're all kind of trying to demystify or 
or educate people with that like this isn't this crazy glorious blissful <laughs> experience every day in day out right it's littered full of you know let's call them peaks and valleys and yeah. streams yeah Eaves and, and you know you're and then layer on the fact that you're head of sales, which is <clears throat> historically just a high pressure type position in, mm-hmm. in any organization. So for you, like how you how are you managing those high pressure situations? Yeah, man, good question. I mean, uh, I th- for a moment there, I thought you might lead me into a, a place where I say something that I really shouldn't. But um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go there next. <laughs> uh, I, I think the pressure is. Um, it kind of relating back to earlier, just talking more about like mindset and really happiness being such a critical part of being able to come into work every single day and work extremely hard and and feel like we're being successful, even if there's really not that much progress at times being made, whether that's on the sales front or the product front. And, you know, every side of that somehow affects what then would fall under me in terms of sales. And, And, you know, as we start to grow, like, we want to see kind of that consistent curve. Um, but it's- how, how do you do that? Because as soon as you said that, it reminded me, Scott Belsky left this about like just mental gymnastics. As I listened to that episode. Right, yeah. as a founder that you almost have to, you have to almost create these like micro wins, right? Knowing that you're, you're going to, you have everyone has the vision and, and the ultimate objectives, but just to stay motivated day in and day out. So true. Like, do you, do you have, do you guys have any those type of like micro goals or, or anything you're doing personally just to that's a good question um, I think I'm, I mean personally I'm always trying to celebrate those micro wins yeah. like I don't want to get too caught up in the long term objectives like I think those are more so motivations um, I'd like to say like you know one of the classic things I was taught when I was in direct sales and a lot of people you know, don't like that job, whether it's door to door or selling in like stores, yeah. you know, products that people don't come in to buy. Like there's all sorts of things, but sure. they build up really good shops. And the other thing that they're ultimately built on is like simple strategies that, are, that really work. Um, so when I think about like those small wins um, and ultimately goals, like splitting them up into short and long-term objectives, the long-term stuff, um, as much as it may be geared towards the business business side and we have objectives you know yeah a year from now and three years from now hopefully with where we can take this business looking at it on a shorter lens and, and really the micro um it becomes I, personally i don't write those down as much anymore uh compared to like that job when i used to but just being aware of what a win is and just like the smallest little things can yeah. be counted as a win and like being able to celebrate that with your team um you know even just going out with the team on a regular basis to have that kind of team building exercises i mean personally like i, I started doing a little morning sales huddle which is pretty common among like business yeah. uh especially business to business sales organizations and and that makes a big difference like it's a big deal yeah you know we get the team mentality and and really the camaraderie together the vibe is up and like we'll watch a little video towards the end of that half hour that's either like a funny clip from a movie or a motivational you know two or three minute video like a tony robbins or something like that but like whatever it is something to get the spirits up a little bit um and you know kind of relating that back to the first question and the pressure side of things like you know jim um, meditation is something that you know I've had talks about with you yeah. and I haven't been doing forever and I really need to get more consistent at but both of those are 
you know, can create a bit of de-stressing without even knowing, sure, uh, I sure. think. Uh, and then so as you relate those to kind of the short-term objectives, I, I even have to think of every single day I get to the gym um, on my kind of said routine that I'm trying to build out for myself. Like yeah. that's a win too. Yeah, and when you course. kind of start the day with that and you go into the day feeling like you've already got a win under your belt, then it really takes the pressure off of like everything that you're going to do at work. And thankfully, I'm not really in a dire position right now where it's like if I don't hit quota by the end of this month, like you can almost just kind of count my existence in the company goodbye, but you know, it's going to come to a point soon where it is like that. Uh, but I think we're putting in the processes and the preparation um, and really just like those team building exercises, like we just chatted about yeah. in place. So we'll recognize what those small wins are. Um, really one of them for me, just being bringing on that business development manager you met earlier and uh, <laughs> taking a little bit of weight off my shoulders. I was going to say any type of health is, a, is, yeah. is actually a huge win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was a great episode with Scott and he's so right, like that mental gymnastics and the small wins, you, you got to count them um, and just don't get so f frustrated or obsessed with those yeah. mega objectives. Totally, yeah. totally. Well, and it just, you know, just putting in some process, right? Like, that's a huge thing. Like, there's no, what I'm really, like, there's no, there are no playbooks for this, right? Like, you, you know, you, you can look at huge organizations, like, yeah, there's like, you know, weekly huddles or team huddles and stuff. But like, when you're kind of at our size, right, it's, okay, well, like, what works for us, right? And so just even setting something like that up, and then continually tweaking and say okay this worked maybe the video didn't work or doing something else yeah. like that's a that's a whole thing you know that, that a lot of people don't realize that so important even at these like smaller team stages right really true yeah I wish there was like some step-by-step -step book that would <laughs> you know cover exactly what you have to do but that also kind of feeds into the importance of perspective yeah um, and, and even empathy in some ways but like I'm just a huge believer in perspective. I think that's like going back to when I decided to go to Australia and um, even prior, like making a decision at a high school not to jump to university, even though that was like recommended by XYZ, you know, the sure. teacher, um, the guidance counselor is potentially my mom and my father as well. Like, yeah. you need to just look around um, when you're talking with people, take it in, learn from it. That doesn't mean you have to live your life like they do or mm -hmm. make the exact same decisions they do, but like factor in either, you know, the experiences that they've had and what's kind of come from that into what you can expect if you are to implement a similar solution or a similar process, whatever that may be, right? Like yeah, totally. using that perspective as education yeah. um, to go about making not necessarily data-driven uh, decisions, but similarly in a human sure, aspect. Yeah. Sure. So going back a little bit to the to the routine, um, mm. I mean, you got rocked a little bit on a location front and moving around the country, yeah. uh, Ottawa to Vancouver, Vancouver to Toronto, all within was it a month or two? No, I can't. Now you're making it sound like it was an extended period of time, but under three months, it was about three months okay. total time that it took to go from like Ottawa to Vancouver on a full move, like sign the yeah, yeah, like and then back to Toronto, <laughs> exactly. just like past Ottawa. To, <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, there, there was a lot there. Um, and I remember when, when you first landed here, you were trying to, for yourself, you brought it up a bit, but just trying to dial in some sort of routine just to bring some sanity to your life, right? Because there's a lot of moving parts. So, like, what have you landed on? Like, what, what even during those, those moments of, of a little bit of moving chaos and logistics, let's say, that mm -hmm. there's a lot of detail there. Like, what are some of the non-negotiables in your life that 
you know, when things like that are happening, you know that you can go to, it's either a tool or like a thing like, that makes you, like pulls you out of that, that craziness. Is there anything? Yeah. It, it's changed over time. I think like one constant and, you know, at certain points in my life, like to a fault, I pushed it off to focus more on work. And I touched on that earlier, but the, the gym and just sure. not even necessarily like being in you know, a weight room or whatever it may be, like maybe all you have is outside at certain points in your life, right? Like, or you don't really want to purchase that gym membership. So you just figure out alternatives, but yeah. like that physical activity yeah. is just paramount to me. Like just not only like, I'm, I'm not a big guy you can see me here Mark, right? like, for anybody who's listening I'm not ever going to become a bodybuilder I don't even think I'm ever going to cross like that 185 threshold we'll see what that looks like but getting active and just like stimulating the body the brain um, and each everything that goes into really having that like hardworking lifestyle um, you need that. And I've, I realized that more and more, I guess, to like give some perspective and talk about my experience. It was like, so when I moved to Ottawa, Ottawa was really like when I was working on the startup, I had put off a lot of those potential unnegotiables or really just like the physical activity. Mm-hmm. I would do the odd, like run around with friends to play some sports or whatever, but yeah. nothing that was more like consistent. Um, and I had a routine. So when I got to Vancouver, I, over time, I mean, I had the gym in my building, so that was one thing. And I, I told myself, yeah, I'm going to go to this gym. I didn't go to the gym. Uh, and I think I was telling you this at a networking event as well, but I did start meditating okay. because I was really like starting to hone in on podcasts and really just like after one or two or three, you just get more hooked on the perspective that you gain from those things. Yeah. Um, you know, certain ones like yourself, Tim Ferriss, um, how I built this, like, especially yeah. in that entrepreneurial space, right? Just like, I'm not alone, you know, yeah, you hear these like horror stories or whatever. Um, so how did you start? What, what was, let's so it was Headspace. Okay. Started with Headspace. Take uh, 10. Take 10, like 20 times yeah. or whatever like that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to purchase a plan at that point. I knew I wasn't like that dedicated to it. Um, but yeah, just daily, like in the morning when I got to work, I'd just kind of like, you know, answer the first few emails or whatever it was, sit in a room for five minutes, just like get okay. that done before anybody else is there. I like yeah. to start days early. Um, yeah. And, and, that, and that too in itself I think for me is a non-negotiable like getting my day started early and like not feeling like I'm behind yeah. on the day um, and then bringing that to Toronto uh, I kind of you know through that moving transition like you get back into winter I'm like trying to cope with everything also get my work done like start to build up a bit of office presence here around 13 uh, and kind of lost the meditation as a habit but I like implemented gym right away. I was just like, that will be something where at least I can kind of look to it as a type of meditation initially. Sure. And then really over the last few weeks, I've started implementing meditation just like four or five minutes in the morning again. And I recently did one of those Wim Hof sessions. Like, oh yeah, that was just incredible. Have you been to that mindset brain or mindset brain gym or something like that? Oh, I've seen this. Yeah. Up in, in Yorkville. Right. Yeah. So there, so I've been doing Wim, Wim Hof for probably like not religiously, but on and off. Well, this week I did it at least three times. So we're Wednesday, so that's good. But probably the last five months or so. Yeah. And like knock on wood, but right now, normally I would be in this full blown like allergy season and I have nothing like everyone around me is like in my family still sneezing and living like in a miserable life I know he has a lot you know a lot of stuff related to inflammation and things like that right so I believe in this and then not to mention just the the feeling after you're done 
it's it's like instant, right? It's um, so explain like what's what's been your experience with this? Oh man, well, you know, Mark to his credit sounds like he's able to do this on his own. I don't think I could for anybody listening. Okay. Like I would recommend maybe just going in and doing a few guided sessions, um, at least to start, even if you already do meditation. But it was like forty-five minutes. Do you, is that how long you meditate? Oh for? no! So this was like so he. There's different variants. Yeah. Wim, so Wim has a has a free app as well, and he he oh. just recommends doing three rounds of the of the breathing, and then the third round is where you really start getting like tingling the tingles. And stuff. So for me, I mean, obviously it depends on how long you can hold your breath, but I'm probably all in like a 15, 20 minute session. Forty-five minutes, like you're probably levitating. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah I was gonna say, I like, is this what you do every day? Oh no. my god. Um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't insane. Like, there's they had this kind of room to kind of paint the picture a little bit. It had like these like fluorescent colors. Apparently, some sort of lighting you can buy on like Amazon. Okay. Um, for your room moving, but like it was like kind of changing colors, and they had this like really nice kind of deep music on, you know, a bit of a tone, and then they had a guy in there who was kind of guiding it. Okay. Um, and yeah, like close your eyes, and like within like 15 to 20 minutes, like I was having some sort of surreal, almost out of body experience that like I had never experienced with meditation before. Like, yeah. You kind of just happen to get close to it I think sometimes especially with the meditation that I do it's like you can feel kind of the weightedness yeah you know yeah hands and feet on the ground type of thing or hands on your lap potentially but like feeling that weight this was like you feel that and then you get into this like you feel the tingles yeah um, so you're lying down yeah lying down doing it yeah and uh and have the you know pauses and breathing as well and at those moments when you'd kind of be like in this steady breathing motion and then he'd kind of tell you to like not like choke yourself and not trying to breathe but like just kind of stop breathing in a sense yeah it's just like oh man like you you feel like you're in the movie get out when she goes like sink into the floor (laughs) and it was like oh i'm stuck here like nobody could get me up even if you tried to pick me up right now like i was in the floor your hands are tingling your feet are tingling so um, I, I can't say enough about meditation. I mean, there's a reason why it yeah. has kind of trickled into this like global phenomenon, but ironically has been around forever. This is the crazy thing. <laughs> you know? Like even, you know, we get it on our side too with even journaling, right? It's, you know, we're not inventing journaling. It's, it's been around for thousands yeah. of years, right? But all this stuff is, is starting to surface. And I think it's just people are... Well, A, we need it because, you know, we're in a, we're in a society that's just so content and like notification fueled and we're always in reaction mode and no longer sleeping enough and all that stuff. So like, we're actually at a point where we have to do something else or we're, we're just going to burn out. Right. And we're seeing it and you're seeing mental health rates like through the roof and stuff. So like, there's that aspect. But then I think the other thing is like people are, and obviously we're trying to do this, but just trying to modernize this stuff and and implement it into like your life. Right. And these, these gyms are are a good example, right? Like, uh, you know, you go to that and that's a whole experience. And I've been in that and I haven't taken a class there, but I've walked into that, that location. Like it's really nice there. Right. It's Mm -hmm. it's not, Mm -hmm you know, some re- weird kind of dungy thing where, you, you know, it's going to be like a woo-woo experience, right? You know, not <laughs> like that there's, when not that could there's you, anything wrong with that. No, when could you imagine this like being successful in like the late 90s or exactly. early 2000s though? It's just, it wouldn't have worked. Exactly, but it's the same thing. Like we have this, this image in our pitch deck and it's like 1977 or 1975 
uh, cover of People magazine and it's these two celebrities jogging and they're like, hey, everyone's doing this, follow, you should really get on the <laughs> jogging. Well, right, like at one point physical exercise was like where, where mental fitness is at kind of now. Yeah, true. So, you know, it's exciting to see the evolution. Um, I'm glad you brought that point up too, just like, you know, the, the world we live in and, and the fact that like, you know, using myself as an example, like I can try and make sleep one of those non-negotiables where it's like if I, if I don't get my eight hours, I'm going to be like crabby or whatever. Yeah. And like to some degree, you know, I've realized how critical sleep is for sure. Um, yeah. It just becomes so hard to really get those like proper, yeah. that proper sleep in. Like no matter how hard I try, I think I can only get maybe one day a weekend where it's like a solid eight hours. Because okay. there's, there's little time in the day, especially if you want to start your mornings earlier, right? Like, yeah. And part of that can feel like you're, you don't have to be forced to wake up if I don't have to like get up and go instantly into work. Mm-hmm. And I have a bit of time for my body to wake up too, um, whether that's a gym or meditation. But sure. uh, it's just it's an important point because like I don't think many people get enough sleep oh, yeah. anymore. Um, and then we're constantly bombarded with notifications. Like you want to just like look at content um, that yeah. is making you think all of these things, and that's on your downtime typically. So yeah, yeah. there's just a, an overwhelming amount of need to really like train the mind, work out that mind. Um, and I know that's like largely what Keo is all about. And I could, I want to ask you like journaling. That was one of those things that I did. Had I had an app that would kind of prompt me to do daily journaling, especially when I was in Australia, I think I would have absolutely loved that thing because yeah. I did it for the first, maybe 21 to 30 days that I was on the experience. And if I ever go read back on those, those times, it's like so gratifying to know that I took the journaling and I, I just kick myself for not having done sure, it. Like, sure. Yeah. They're like four or 500 days that I was away from Canada. So what, like, do people talk about that when they have those moments of real like reflection, looking back on the journal entries sometimes and, and yeah. just having that moment of wow. Well, we're actually doing some research now with some users and like what's been coming up really strong is, is just people linking the visuals to their entries. So mm. at one point, you know, we, we decided that we'd partner up with Unsplash, uh, which is Montreal based, but they have one of the, I think they have something like, it's ridiculous, like six downloads, photo downloads a second on their platform. So they're just free, high res, good quality photography. Um, and they've created this massive platform and they're, they're partnering up like, you know, if you're on medium and you're, you're going to, uh, out of photo you need the free photo it's their gallery yeah, yeah. right and there's tons like Trello and there's there's so many so we, we did that with, with Keo because we're like well people can put in their own photos or if you don't have something that you want to add in there you can match up um, a photo with how you're feeling or how you want to feel mm. and people are using that in the sense that as soon as they see the photo if they're scrolling through their timeline like oh yeah I remember that and they, they don't even have to go in but they remember in essence, the moment. Like, yeah, the, the topic that they're speaking of or whatever it is, right? So we see that. And then just, I think what's becoming a little bit more mainstream is just the bookends of the day, right? Yeah. And it's just starting your day, setting some sort of intention and to your point, like just whether that's the gym or meditation or saying, hey, like... The, the, Maybe it's sports center, you know, or like whatever, whatever it is. cartoon. Like, but like something, right? It's like making your coffee, like actually being yeah. present and just taking in the smells and the sounds oh, yeah. and all that. Whatever it is, but just take creating some space, right, for your mind. And then at the end of the day, just kind of recapping a bit on, you know, like what was great today or what would I have changed or, you know, what were the awesome, awesome things, right? Because I think it, what it all does, it just 
it, it breaks up the autopilot of the day, right? Because then it just, if, if you don't, it just keeps going nonstop, rinse and repeat. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, shit, like what, what happened in the last three years? And all of a sudden that whole journey is like, yeah, you, you know, you weren't in it or you, you're, you're just surfacing around, just pushing, pushing. But I mean, you know this, like the magic is, is in the journey of, yeah. of this whole process, right? And like, who wants to forget you know, yeah. what you may have experienced um, at any point in time and, and just like how that builds you up as a human being. You make me think a lot of things, but the coming from like a very government driven town, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know how many, what the percentage of jobs are in Ottawa that are related to like the fed government. Yeah. It's gotta be near around 33 or 40%. For sure. And you're surrounded by it. And like, there's this constant notion that those people really don't like put as much work in maybe as others. Yeah. And I, and I would say the one common thread that I've really noticed throughout life is just people in that city seeming like they're on autopilot for life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like a scary thing. I mean, that was ultimately what led me to like want to travel and, and, and even really doesn't want to lead me to a life where I'm going to be there, you know, sure. sorry, mom, but yeah, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> yeah. I, it's daunting to think about people who really haven't maybe taken control of their own lives. Yeah. Um, and totally. it's been led by somebody else or another organization or whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, and they've kind of just been the benefactor, um, and their life and the way it's gone up to that point now has just been the results of that job. Yeah. Well, what's exciting for me, like just to see how things are changing is like even the, you know, the conversation we're having now and, and just seeing that, that, that age or where, where people realize that is starting to go you know, yeah. lower and lower and lower. Right. Versus, I mean, I've interviewed people and we all hear these stories where like people, they go, they go, they burn out, they hit a physical wall. And then all of a sudden like that shifts and like now they're doing really purposeful work or things that really light them up in the day. Um, but they're like, you know, 40, 50, 60, it, it's never too late to do that. But what is it really encouraging that people are almost coming out of school, um, with that mindset. So, Agreed. so it's exciting to see like, in, and I don't know, I mean, I think it's a combination of a, of, of a lot of things, but there's a lot of conversations like this on podcasts and, you know, we listen to a lot of the same people and mm -hmm. you start hearing it over and over again. Then all of a sudden, okay, yeah, well maybe like maybe meditation is, is good for me. And I, I really think all of these practices just heighten self-awareness Yeah. and I should say just, but like a huge component. And then, then when you're aware that you're on the autopilot or aware that like your back hurts and yeah, you're really I mean, stressed. Aware that happiness is such a critical part yeah. of life. Like all of that. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. Totally. So, all right, sir, we're going to start wrapping up here. Uh, just to respect your, your time. Um, but I do definitely want to get, I have a couple more questions, but want to get your prompts. So as you know, um, these questions then are loaded in the app for others to, reflect on based on where they may be in, in their life. So it's just really three reflective questions that you feel may have asked you, you ask yourself on a frequent basis or during big like life changing events, like, you know, moving across the halfway across the world or around the world, I should say to Australia, you know, <laughs> acting like I'm some globe trotter here. You are. Like, yeah, I've been around a few places, but, uh, I still, I mean, I could tell you some horror stories about travel and sure. that, would, that would indicate I don't have the utmost experience. <laughs> so, but, yeah. so yeah, is there anything that comes to mind that, that that's circulating? Kind of three prompts that you yeah. typically go on. Um, 
I, I thought a little bit of this leading up to the podcast because it's like you said, I do listen to the podcast and I think there's been some tremendous ones dropped by like Cal Fussman. Um, like yeah. that was an awesome episode. And, you know, ultimately I'd come down to kind of these three things. I'd say be intentional. Yeah. Y- you kind of touched on that in one aspect earlier, but ultimately being intentional with who you are, the way you're spending your time. I mean, I'm saying just the be intentional part because it really can be applied to so much. I think even in your relationships, Mm -hmm. um, not closing yourself off to potential relationships is something that I did for quite some time just so I could like somehow lend that energy of my focus to like, I don't know, school or work or travel. Um, And I've had certain people in my life really kind of open this eye up where even being intentional when you do meet somebody, whether that's like a potential partner or a potential best friend in the future um, and, and not being closed off to any of those new potential relationships. I think that's been like a really big key for me. And, you know, there's a girl who I'm dating right now and I feel very fortunate because like, I rarely get away from work. Like work has become so heavily intertwined with life Mm -hmm. um, that I do try and like, carve out some of the time that I need for the life side of things yeah, yeah. and when I'm around her it feels like it's much easier to do whereas even if I'm with like some of my good friends sometimes I still get caught on my phone or having to whip open the laptop and you know yeah, what I mean yeah, like yeah. Um, so just being intentional with a lot that you do um, yeah. the second would probably be plan and execute okay um, for me like I've always been a big planner I think it, like it comes in part with marketing education it also comes in part with just kind of maybe the way I was raised and and just having a plan but I think some people can plan a little too much or maybe get caught on the planning stage which Mm -hmm. really kind of leads you to a point where you're not making decisions you're kind of just thinking about them in a sense Um, and that'll drive people insane especially due to the like logical fact of if you keep thinking about all the decisions you need to make, inevitably you're not making the decisions mm-hmm. or just doing what it is you're kind of planning to do. And so it's going to lead into much more just being caught up in your mind and yeah, just like yeah, kind of distracting loop. you, stressing you out. You know what I mean? Bringing your mental or your positive attitude down. Um, yeah. So, so how, do you, how do you come out of that loop? Like I'm putting the question, like am I plan- planning versus executing? Could be something like that. Yeah, or maybe even, am I planning too much? I suppose yeah. I should maybe position these as kind of questions like, you know, am I being intentional? Um, am I planning too much and not executing? Like, for me, execution really became a focal point of everything that I've been doing over the last like two, two and a half years. And I guess even like deciding to commit to Australia and going, yeah. you know, on that international degree program rather than planning every potential degree scenario that I could have figured out in the time that I had before. Yeah. It was just like going. And once you start doing those things, I mean, like you've heard this, you know, for any listeners probably a thousand times before, especially if you listen to a lot of podcasts, when you do things, you'll quickly find out one, whether you like them or not, um, whether you need to kind of make slight iterations in your technique, um, or the way you're approaching things to kind of get what it is you're looking for out of it. Um, whether you're good at it or not, you know, potentially it's okay not to be good at some things. And ultimately as entrepreneurs, we need to kind of fail fast and fail forward. So like executing, uh, you know, I'll, I'll bring up an example. Like for me, I was always interested in kind of social media as a growth tool for marketing, but like was kind of turned off on the other side of it that I thought was a little bit more shallow, especially before I noticed LinkedIn. Um, but when I thought to myself like, Hey, you know, if I actually could say that I, I know how to grow an Instagram account or, you know, grow a LinkedIn account or 
whatever that may be that could present me with some opportunities that I really enjoy. I was like, well, the only real way to do that is to just go out and do it. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't really come up with a plan on how to grow an account or, you know what I mean? Like some marketing strategy and then just kind of call it a plan and just be like, oh, so you're supposed to hand this to somebody else to actually do, you know, yeah, yeah. people want the people who can complete things and, and, and execute on their ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah. The work, the work speaks, the speaks to the, you know, speaks volumes to you. Right. Yeah. Essentially. yeah. It's funny. I saw like a stoic quote this morning. Um, that was just actually talking about that. It's like, you know, the carpenter can talk about carpentry all day long, but you know, what did um, that person, like, what's the, show me the work. What have you built? Exactly. Yeah. Show me what you've built. Yeah. That will speak, you know, kind of the truth. The, right? You could probably put that in front of somebody for two seconds and then have them have that like, ah, moment, right? Yeah. Like, wow, you did this like really nice work. Yeah. Talking about something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. like, all right, I get your plan, you know, totally. go execute on it. Um, and, and the last one would really be, and I'm kind of stealing this from a friend, uh, Nick, um, yeah. who I actually will refer to you cause I think he'd be awesome to probably have on this podcast, okay. but regardless it's, are you loving yourself? Yeah. Like, and, and to flip that around and kind of position it more as a bit of an objective is love yourself, like learn how to love yourself. And I'll take what he spoke to me about in the yeah. last conversation we had about this was, you know, he's very intentional about just wanting to look back on his life. And like I talked about earlier in the podcast, be happy with who you were, like live yeah. a life of fulfillment. Um, and it's, and that doesn't always come under work or, you know, these things that can be heavily glamorized, um, mm-hmm. whether it's be entrepreneurship or even just building a business in the position of it now, there's lots of ups and downs like we yeah. talked about, but like, are, are you happy with where you're at? Do you feel like you love yourself? There's this, Apparently, and I'm not going to get too deep into the science, but like when a baby's born, um, the parent, the mother has a little bit more so than maybe the father scientifically, it says, but like when that baby is born, there's something that happens and it comes over the body where like they are driven to love that baby. Yeah. It's, it's now like become a part of them. They they may have always loved people. You know what I mean? Obviously everybody's kind of searching for love, but like here's what it comes down to is like, it's so important to love yourself because otherwise you will be searching for that love from elsewhere. And if you're not happy or you're not like, okay with where you're at as a human being, then you're going to be looking for all these external validations, which in reality don't give you the fulfillment that you need as a human being. So like bring it back to the baby point. Mm -hmm. I think this like love kind of on the scientific side kind of lasts about 18 months to that two year mark. Okay. So then after that, like the baby becomes more of a nuisance, you know, in a lot of ways, maybe than it is like that, like precious <laughs> little, you know, human that you can like hold in your arms that wasn't always crying or complaining, whatever, as they start yeah, to yeah. learn how to talk. But then the baby's reaction becomes, okay, uh, so walking or, or cry, right? First thing would probably be cry. And then you see your parents as, as you start to cry want to hold you again and, and then they kind yeah. of come back to that point of love and compassion it's also it's like baby thinks like cry love cry love okay i'm gonna cry yeah yeah and then you kind of get over that hump they're not really reacting to the tears as much anymore so what's the next thing okay walk oh my god like the joy on their my parents faces right like in, yeah. internally what they're thinking okay walk love walk love yeah so you learn how to walk and like as life goes on you have these moments that like you're you're realizing that's where you're getting that external validation from but at what point do you stop searching for that external validation 
and, and really feel like regardless of what everybody else in my life is kind of reacting or thinking about me, like you're okay with where you're at as a human being. So powerful. So, I mean, you, you could, you could use that example just right across the board. Like we're always looking for the next apartment or next house or the yeah. next thing. And oh man, right. social media, right? Yeah, really. And I think he, he actually took that from uh, Tony Robbins. Sure. He, he's one of those guys who actually now volunteers at a lot of Tony Robbins conferences yeah, like yeah. after he went to the first one, but like Nick's a great guy too. Just so intentional. Nicholas Singh. Um, if you want to find him on Instagram, he's got great videos, but yeah, just, I, I thought that was such a powerful yeah. statement and I definitely want to feel like I'm fulfilled just apart from work and stuff. And that kind of goes back to that happiness point. I mean, at the beginning, like, yeah, um, that's a powerful one. And it's just, it's again, another good way to just kind of pull out of the autopilot, go up you know, 40,000 feet and just be honest with yourself. Right. Yeah. You know, am, am, am I happy? Am I, am I giving some good self love? And if not, I mean, What's what do I need to change? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like just for myself, hundred yeah. percent. Because nobody else is really going to be able to do that for you. Totally. I can't think of a better way to end the uh, the conversation on 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 love, man. Dude, so, isn't that what we're all yeah. after as humans? Like that love, man. That's that common thread. I agree. Well, thank you, sir, for your time, and you know, thanks for putting in all the effort and everything that you're doing each and every day, and, and just sharing that passion it's 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 honestly uh it's just it's super fun to connect and, and chat with you each time so likewise man i always keep, enjoy keep rocking chats. it out there appreciate you mark thanks for having me on dude yes you made it to the end of the conversation thank you so much for your attention and if you enjoyed the chat leave us a little love wherever you're listening stars reviews they go a long way don't forget you can find all of these guests along with a ton of powerful reflective prompts in our digital journaling app, Kyo, K-Y-O. Search it in the Apple App Store and it'll pop up. Wishing you the absolute best in your mental fitness and an incredible day.